Hi hello and welcome to Popedia podcast. I'm Kunal Rajput with Yash Dubal. Today we are going to talk about India, political affairs in India, art, films and everything rooted in philosophy. We are discussing all of this with Surbhi Tandon. Surbhi is a video journalist, a filmmaker, a director who has worked both in India and in Europe with channels such as France 24, ERT, NM6 and many more. Hello Surbhi, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Yeah. So as I gave your introduction, I listed many things around the same areas, right? And because most artists these days, they work in different spectrums of area simultaneously or else together. So how would you define yourself and your profession? How would I define myself as a person or myself professionally? Um, in both ways. Um, so I would say, you know, and actually, I really dislike this question. People are like, what do you do? Because I always find it so complicated um, to explain in one sentence. You know, usually it's like, oh, I work in a bank or I'm a teacher. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. why it's different with artists, you know, because it's like spectrums and spectrums of areas. Yeah. So, I mean, I would actually, so... I would not call myself an artist at all. Um, okay. I think like for me at least, and especially um, also probably because I'm married to one and our worlds are so different and the way that we go about working is so different. Um, particularly in contrast to that, I think um, I, I would absolutely not say I'm an artist because yeah. I'm not creating um something from nothing which is what how I see um, or I would define art of course there are many fluid definitions of this and everybody has their own but this is how I see it for me a lot of my work is based and rooted very much in telling the stories uh, the real life stories of people Um, but of course one adds their kind of uh, layers of um the knowledge or information with which they approach a topic or the sensitivity or the values and ethics with which you conduct yourself on the ground and um absolutely when i direct um you know whether it's like short sort of videos films music videos for mia bb or like short films for yeah. other production houses then of course there's creativity involved um and one is always trying to expand their kind of like whatever creative um universe but uh, yeah so that's in the fir- the first point of your question would be that um i wouldn't call myself an artist i'd call myself maybe somebody who's trying to straddle this world of trying to creatively approach um real life stories okay um and in terms of what i do um yeah, it's, it's <laughs> everything. So I started, I actually, my master's is in uh, development studies. Um, so when I was in college, I thought my dad was in the development sector and in the government. So I always, I was influenced by that kind of worldview. Yeah. And I always thought that I wanted to be part of that world. But I always knew I wanted to work with people. So when I was young, I started to do a lot of volunteer work, working in NGOs and things like that. And I didn't have the information, so I went down the academic route because I thought working in policy would enable me to work with people. Um, but I did this fancy degree. I came back, I joined an organization. I was like, fuck my life. If I have to sit in front of a desk for the rest of the rest of my time, I'm going to kill myself. So I kind of quit everything. And um, at that point, I didn't know 
how it would turn out. I knew that I wanted to start working with stories and people. And I was interested in sort of visual storytelling because I was interested in kind of like photography. Um, but those are the only elements I had, you know, in my bag. Like I didn't know how it would go forth. Oh, I was just lucky that I had um, a lot of friends who were visual artists, musicians, filmmakers. Um, and I kind of started hanging with them, working with them. And then I finally ended up actually uh, being introduced to a French production house that was based in Delhi. Um, and they essentially did, made news and long form documentaries for every French channel and several other European channels. And so I started working with them. I taught myself how to edit, how to shoot, um, how to be an on-camera reporter. Um, being on the field and telling stories came naturally to me because, as I said, I think that was something I always wanted to do. So that part of my job was really easy. And I think it made like journalism so much more fun. And then obviously you do that for a while in news. And then from there, I moved deeper into, uh, well, I moved further into deeper storytelling. Mm -hmm. So I then yeah. started to do longer form, um, you know, like uh, sort of medium to long form documentaries. And then, of course, um, my partner, who's a musician and filmmaker with him, we, when after we started dating, we kind of then started working together a bit. And then uh, Surakant loves making companies. Mm -hmm. Everything is a new company yeah. for him. So then he yeah. suggested that we um, start Mia BV formally um, because we had a couple of people who were also asking us to do some work for them. And yeah, since then, it's just been like, what do you do? Oh, I run a company and I direct and <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. make films. So it's uh, yeah. Yeah. a very long answer, as you can yeah, tell. Yeah, no, no. But also, uh, if let's let's say that you're making a documentary, right? you're filming a documentary about a social issue where people are involved, you are just documenting uh, their problems and the circumstances. So would you call that art? Would I call that? I would not call that art. I would okay. call maybe um, how you are able to bring that story together, um, how you sort of treat it visually as a director, the call you make for which shots will go where, um, the way you write the narrative, the um, agency you allow your characters to have, you know, in the sound bites that you select. I think, yeah, I think a combination of that um, okay. is employing all your creative forces and you could call it art. Um, but like I said, my definition of it is maybe more narrow. Yeah. Um, so for me, those are still sort of creative expressions and not ne necessarily sort of, I'm not conjuring something of my own imagination, at least yeah. when it's real life documentaries. A lot of it is based on my interpretation of what is going on definitely there's no yeah. such thing as an unbiased film yeah exactly but i'm not it's not like i'm creating the story of their life already i'm there to like capture it and then kind of get what i feel are the most interesting parts or the most like relevant parts for me the ones that i related to and then i'm i'm creating something out of that okay yeah so like is it like a sort of um 
honest and creative representation right yeah okay i mean yes yeah. so honesty like you know with uh, obviously you always try to be as honest as possible to yourself in whatever you are doing right whether that like i mean whether that, whether that's creative whether that's uh, uh, whether that's even building a some kind of computer program or a yeah. science model one is always going to try to be as honest as possible um i think in storytelling there is a lot of uh space for um you know interpretation of somebody's reality so this happens very often right with uh, when we watch sort of um videos that are well these new age digital platforms yeah. that do news but they don't do news like aaj ki sansani khabar but more like when they're putting together kind of like like vice does or uh, yeah. um the new yorker films or whatever these digital platforms box um there the reason i smile when you said that is because there's always that like slight difference between like what is going on in the ground and how we see it when we capture it you know so let me give you an example like when i was reporting last year um during the covid second wave in india the delta yeah. wave um or when i reported before from earthquakes or hurricanes people are always like why do you agree to do this you know are you crazy why do you sort of uh put yourself in harm's way and that is the reality of what you see when you see these reports on the ground you're like kitna risk why are these people taking the risk but actually the reality is quite different on the ground in the sense that um things are much safer you know yeah. when you're actually in the front lines of things and people are so nice we forget like how incredible people always are on the ground unfortunately when we report we always have to pick up the riskiest elements because people have to be aware of like the worst part of the story as well um so in that sense Yes, we're honest with our work, but is is the uh, reality the same for everybody? No. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, there is always this sort of um, is there? I'm I'm asking. Uh, is there this sort of you know vanity or a sort of masaya complex in you know going out there and uh, reporting these things? You know, like actually giving importance to the things that are much neglected every time. I, mean, I don't know if it's a messiah complex i don't think that like journalists or even artists or filmmakers are uh uh motivated by the idea of um them being the center of yeah. what they are creating mm-hmm. um yeah but certainly like i said that interpret like ultimately what you create comes from your own understanding of reality and your understanding of reality is influenced by your background your education your peers what you read what you consume on the internet and so yeah it's it's certainly colored by that yeah um i mean i had i on instagram last week i asked this question to people you know is like art um can we separate the art and the artist and there are of course there are lots of people who say that you can't separate it because that art is an expression of the person um yeah it's i mean it certainly can't be removed but i don't think it's also like a direct like it that relationship is so clear 
Yeah. You know, like sometimes I don't know what you guys do um, other than, of course, on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I should have asked this before, but sometimes, you know, you start to work on a, let's say, a piece of writing and you think this is what it's going to be about. By the time you finish, it takes on some that its own reality, right? Yeah. It's yeah. become bigger than what you meant it to be. Yeah. Like that world you created is now its own. So, yeah, I think the the reality itself keeps changing and growing. Yeah. So like talking about reality and its change, right? So if while you're making films or documentaries per se, is there a conflict between your political and artistic side? Um, Not while making documentaries. I mean, sometimes you'll have kind of, uh, if, so I work, the way I work is that I always have my stories commissioned before I do them. So there are two ways of making my documentaries, right? So because I work with channels, my stories are commissioned before I make them. So I pitch in advance and then the commissioning editor, the executive producer, whoever is in the hierarchy of these spaces, they say yes or no. So what can happen is um, obviously because there's somebody at the top sitting there um, who also has a lot more experience than you. Um, sometimes you can have a... Uh, a creative or political difference with what you want to say, you know, and that happens very often, particularly when you're an Indian that is trying to make documentaries for an international audience. Because, you know, in the beginning, for instance, I would have a lot of conflict with my editors saying, but this is so important to say, and they would say, nobody in India, outside India cares about like something so minute or something so detailed, you know? So yeah, in that sense, there are conflicts where you feel like this is my story and I feel like this is what should be put in it. And then, you know, the person above you kind of says, no, we should have some other aspect of this person's interview there. Mm-hmm. Um, but creatively, um, because I also film a lot of my own work, or well, then now that when I direct and I have DOPs, um, I have a pretty clear idea of what I want. Um, no, I visually it hasn't been that problematic. Um, in Mia Bibi's work, there's definitely more conflict sometimes because it's me and my partner both, and we both have like fifty percent say. Yeah. So then you can have some kind of conflict with. I think it should be this way, or I think it should be that way. Um, but. A lot of the times, those kind of disagreements also, uh, I mean, they can go south, especially if you're a married couple working together, but they can also uh, open up space to always go, right? Hmm. Like disagreement always, if it's, if you can handle disagreement well, then I think you, you would only sort of gain from it because you would learn the other person's point of view. You would grow with what they have to say you would sort of check maybe your own facts and where you're coming from. If you need to make your point, you know, uh, double down on your point. So. And con- conflicts are a good way to punch down on barriers, you know, so. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It may, it may actually help you discover your own bias. So yeah. many times. Yeah. 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 So. What do you guys do actually? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, we are students, basically. We are on, yeah. we are in 12th standards, right? We are in 12th standard right now. And humanities, so. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And what do you, what subjects are you studying? Right what now, studying we, right now? we study political science um, and basically the psychology, history, political science, English. 
economics that kind of stuff and economics yeah okay and you all are based where ahmedabad you to me ahmedabad yeah gujarat yeah amd yeah yeah i filmed a fair amount last year in ahmedabad actually i was there quite a lot for covid yeah no i was there to do um directing shoot a story um so do you you must i mean maybe you experienced this you know that ahmedabad is one of the hottest cities in india yeah, yeah. it is yeah so we always think new delhi right but actually ahmedabad reaches like uh in peak summer it reaches 48 49 yeah. even reach 50 degrees when you have that big heat wave yeah um so it was a story that looked at cities around the world that are seeing a year on year rise in temperature and how are people from different socio economic backgrounds mm. dealing with that yeah. um you know because on in the one, on the one hand as soon as we move up the income ladder and we have money the first thing we do if we live in a hot place is let's get coolers let's get air conditioners yeah but ironically the more we start living in a world where we're using these systems to cool ourselves air conditioners for example we are just adding to global warming which means we're actually yeah. just like contributing to you know it's this whole nasty loop of mm. the outer air becomes more hotter but inside stays cooler Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Essentially, uh, that was a story, and we looked at how people in low-income households are uh, dealing with that heat, particularly women who are the worst affected because you know they mostly yeah. can't leave the house, or they have to cook in these kitchens that have no fans, no windows, nothing. Um, and then I was there again in August for an investigative story that I worked on, which. um we release later this year and that we uh, i can't talk about yet yeah okay we've also- talked a lot about you know your um, your entire you know how do you produce and shit like and like what's your creative process look like like how does it all work when you are you when you have an idea with, that you want to represent how that how does that come to real like so again because there are so many different formats with which i work um the creative process always varies um but i would say it really begins from always trying to um uh, keep your mind engaged so i i do a lot of reading on many things all the time whether that's on film whether that's music whether that's looking at new age art history culture politics obviously um women's movements people's movements um trying to follow different kinds of shows um trying to watch films so i'm always trying to learn and grow i think that is the like foundation of any creative growth you have to keep you have to keep growing in your mind you have to keep learning and you have to keep your mind engaged you know um at least for me that is where everything comes from so then you also have like the more you interact with the world or the more you're reading consuming uh, listening to music watching films the more uh, ideas you have because yeah. you're giving fodder to your brain yeah um so a lot of it so i would say that is kind of like the basis um and then if i sort of have if i read something that interests me whether that uh 
reading about a person who has a really incredible story or whether it's like let's say something generic like the up election so now i'm interested in the up election but i want to find a specific thread that i would like to maybe do a story about so then i'd read about the uh, about the up elections and i kind of see what are the interesting things going on and then i found like i'm giving you an example how the congress said that they would give 40% of their seats to women candidates which was a very interesting and never done before kind of political act so then i started reading and researching more about that so then when i get the information so first it's sort of just you know it begins from just an idea yeah it could be thematic or person based then you research you learn more and then that's when that you know that change of reality that we were talking about begins because pehle you yeah. know itna sa so you feel like okay is information ke sath mujhe itna pata hai ya main itna soch rahi hu there obviously when your information grows how you understand that same topic or story changes um and so then i kind of the next step is always research and then i write so for me if i have to write a pitch uh, a pitch is the first form of how you imagine the story to be yeah. so then you write um you put it into words and the pitch is also uh, the point at which you also imagine the sequences because at this point you haven't gone on the field you haven't met anybody um based on the information you have and the kind the way that you imagine you would shoot a certain story you write your sequences scene one mein aisa hoga ye karenge ye karenge ye karenge this is all imagination based on obviously experience of doing this stuff before and then also just your research um and then the next stage is always um then kind of looking at visual references like look at different films that are made look at different shows so for instance last year i was in assam shooting um actually my first 52 minute film that i uh directed and shot and i i remember i was watching this series called insecure i don't know if you guys know it's an hbo series by isa re and it yeah, is a great it's a great show um you all should watch it so it's it's a female it's a female lead character written by isa re who's also the main actor in it um and they also have one of their main cinematographers i forget her name is also this woman but she had this really great new style of shooting people where like ek frame me like if this is the frame the faces would be like in the corner and then the rest would be all this blank space to the different kind of frame so for instance when i was watching that show and i went to do this film uh when i went to shoot this documentary i tried to sort of like recreate some of that, that kind of unconventional framing even though documentaries may usually they frown upon you know uh trying to do something too different from what you learn of course that's yeah. changing now with these ott platforms everybody wants like and and social media you can experiment so much the old rules are dissolving um so yeah then it's sort of like looking at references and then um obviously at the editing stage uh and i know this is something that you had asked in your email as well music is i mean i'm married to a musician so yeah. like music has always been a huge part of sort of my reality mm. from the beginning even before i worked in like film like it, you know how it is like first it's like this song expresses what i feel <laughs> exactly nothing expresses it better than this song um 
so and and i was also a dancer so i also um, engaged a lot with music through movement so it was very important for me and then of course in your film in your edit um i always say the music that you use uh contribute greatly to the way people will feel when they watch that scene it's not just what you're seeing how beautifully it's shot or what somebody's saying it's also the uh the, the soundtrack you know because then you're engaging one more sense of a human being and you're enabling them to feel emotions in one more way so it's it's quite organized right your process it's not like it, it's not working on flows and chances no yeah not when you start the creation of something no so i mean i thought i was also answering this question in the way that i would do it professionally but if you're trying to write i think like a work of fiction whether that's an essay or a story or um like an idea for a tv series or anything like that which i've not made into reality in my profession yet but you know like i always have these ideas i have like a long list of different notes in which it's like one day music video essay banaungi one day i'll make a tv series like this those the birth of those ideas the inception of those ideas is very very random it doesn't happen like if i sit down every morning and i'm like okay now i need to like think of an idea of course discipline is very important uh but like that the birth of the initial idea of like what you want might want that film to be or what the series idea could be or an essay that's always random it can ah, happen that's random yeah yeah so kaide bhi ho sakta hai upon yeah yeah okay half class for all half class empty ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i am a very skeptical person so i always look at things half class empty but no 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 that's a that's a joke about how <laughs> yeah. much i complain always half class full i mean i i, I was saying this even earlier you know when we were talking about that question of like reality and people say why do you take such dangerous why do you take so many risks in your life as yeah. a reporter it's because i always and i have always believed this people are far more like people, i have far more faith in people and like the fact that people are good than bad yeah um so for me it's always like yeah glass full like things work out people are generally sort of like decent good people um yeah and that's yeah. the way to be you know how how can you continue and how can you have a zest for life or an enthusiasm for life if you think damn the world is over it's fucked we're not coming back from this i think you always have to have hope and the young generation is what reminds people that one needs to be idealistic yeah. and have hope yeah. it's the youth True. that reminds us okay ironically the youth now is you know more you know like nihilistic than ever so yeah yeah may i mean one is saying that in um for a lot of like young people your age but yeah i still feel like it depends on what you're talking about because at the same time for instance your generation of 
of young people is also the first generation of young people that is very very serious about climate change yeah, yeah, that yeah. will take steps in their own life to like literally save the planet right yeah, that yeah. is pretty optimistic i mean you can call it survival but that's pretty op- like yeah. pretty sort of being positive about something being able to save the planet so yeah i think it would depend on what you're saying uh, on yeah. what is in discussion yeah. yeah yeah why do you think that is why do you think your generation is more because nihilism and absurdism it these are things that makes you feel more edgy yeah yeah like two edgy, years yeah. two years back when i was reading albert camus or charles bukowski i used to love that shit i used to love charles bukowski but when i you know understand ki who that person was on what level his pessimism you know goes through and all then you kind of understand ki is it really practical it does sound good in the poem but is that really practical so i guess but there is a great fun in being edgy as well like yeah, yeah like what happens is that most of the time it, social media plays a, uh, a huge part and like a enormous part yeah. and you know like if you go down the uh, route of reading all the books of uh, on nihilism on you know life affirmation like nietzsche and uh, shit you just you always get to know where the water comes from if the glass is half full where the water comes from so yeah 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 i mean that's that's totally true that in order to have obviously a better sense of reality you have to understand both aspects yeah um but you know i was think like when you were talking right now about bukowski and things i was just thinking but like in a in a funny way i always feel and we, we were just saying that obviously one needs to be hopeful but actually a lot of art doesn't come from hope it comes oh, from yeah. a lot of like yeah. these depressive oh, yeah. emotions because it's in like sadness or in failure or in anger you know the intense emotions not to say happiness is not intense but it is yeah. usually in the more sort of uh it's like when you are depressed don't... art comes as a hope to you so yeah exactly a lot of art comes from feeling the more what we consider like negative emotion yeah perhaps as a remedy perhaps as a form of self expression because you know when you are uh when you're sad you're probably thinking more deeply about what is making you sad as opposed to when you're happy you're more living the moment and thinking yeah. less about like why am i happy you know yeah. why am i feeling all of this when you're sad you're obviously like actively thinking about yeah 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 or when you're heartbroken you're actively thinking about how that makes you feel or how that person makes exactly. you feel and so yeah in a funny way i mean a lot of art great art wouldn't exist if people didn't see the world uh, yeah. with the glass half empty no yeah yeah true ironically true. that's yeah. that's a really great introspection because i had not think that that way before like now when i think about it like you would more introspect yourself more when you are sad right ki aisa kyu hai duniya aisi kyu hai why are these fuckers like this and all right and just because we are talking nihilism i'd want to ask you ki is there any inherent order in the nature or is it all just chaos <laughs> this is a very very deep and big question and i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure i really actually know enough at all to have an opinion but i think even in chaos there's some kind of order no even yeah. like at a universal level and then even at like a personal level yeah 
So yeah, yeah. there seems to be, I mean, it's obviously the way the universe works, the way sort of like um, we have evolved. There seems to be, there has to be some kind of like path. It's not just like kuch bhi ho raha hai, and it is ending up in where we are. Yeah. There is yeah. some, yeah. I don't know, pattern if you if we don't call it order, that the universe is. And creating. like I, I don't know if I heard it somewhere, if I read it, or it's my own thought, but. i like there's this saying that um hope is like a rope you can either climb the mountains with it or hang yourself so it's yeah um, so it's like it's very subjective to how you see the world and on that i want to ask that um offense right the subject of offense it's i think it is very relevant to your profession and like how how what does um, what makes thing offensive and um if subjectivity exists then is offense really relevant i mean i think it depends on uh, again there are no there are no hard and fast rules for any of this you know like yeah 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 i'm coming Completely. back to like the beginning of uh, this conversation when we talked a little about reality mm. like reality for different people means different things sure there are some rules like you can't be racist or yeah. you shouldn't be misogynistic sexist there are these you shouldn't engage in criminal activities or these yeah. these are hard and fast rules one can create for a functional society mm. but in terms of like what offends people that is so subjective right yeah, especially exactly. and i and i find this particularly um kind of a hard path to walk uh, yeah. because obviously as you get older you're also you're trying to catch up with the language of young people yeah, um, exactly. you know like when i was your age there were many things that were not considered as offensive now some i'm very glad have like some of those definitions have changed and i'm really really glad for that but sometimes one often also feels like where is that increased sensitivity that now people have where is that going you know mm. um, for instance in humor i find that to be very problematic exactly. you know we have we are creating a culture where you can't make you you're essentially saying even if the joke is funny if it offends somebody i mean you're not even saying even if the joke is funny if it offends somebody you're essentially saying that you mustn't say anything that is offensive yeah, yeah. but i mean your the what that will eventually lead to is censorship to a point where you will start to curtail again people's creative expression yeah because creativity also flows from the ability to be able to be fully free in what you want to uh make right like if mm-hmm. you are writing a piece of fiction or if you're creating music um if you're painting if you have some fear that jo main paint karungi eventually it might offend somebody you're already starting to curtail like where your mind can go with that work of with that the, uh, that work the work about um so yeah in in 
in that sense it's a very gray area and i think and i yeah. think i mean one argument is certainly that there were many things that needed to be course corrected exactly. and so maybe you know the pendulum swings from one way to the other way before it finds a balance and right now i think maybe we are swinging towards the way of too much censorship i don't know how y'all are you tell you tell me what do you guys feel about this whole sort of cancel like, culture yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what i'm I feel getting, is that i'm i'm listening to you but i'm getting some water yeah. yeah yeah sure like what i think is that um it'll result in a <laughs> movement where everyone would be paranoid of what they say yeah yeah but and at the same time but do you feel at the same time that there is kind of some uh you know the fact that we are putting people in people who have been in positions of power the fact yeah, that yeah, like yeah. now a lot of them maybe have to maybe won't be able to take advantage of their power or just sort of like uh, yeah, yeah. Obvious, um Literally. in that sense you think it has some some good aspect Yeah, or do it, you feel it, like there is a better is a, way to go about it? It is a very sharp double-edged sword, you know. Yeah, and it and it cuts and it cuts on both the sides. So like there there are good part of it, there are really good parts of it, and there are really bad parts of it. It's it's like polarizing, you know, cancer culture, and um, like on the other hand, we have people that actually should uh, you know listen to what they say before saying it. Hmm. and there and there are just other people who are just trying to crack a joke and make people laugh and they are getting cancelled so yeah. like that it's you know very difficult to put it into perspective but still i think um cancer culture should be you know done with i guess research but um other than that people should you know take into account that everything is subjective hmm. what do you guys feel like in your reality uh, with your friends um is there a lot of like people will say ha tune suna usne kya bola how yeah. could he or she say somebody like that yeah we agree like let's say i don't know jk rowling you know like yeah, how yeah. people sort of are calling her transphobic and want mm. to cancel her entire universe and most people have not even read her comments yeah. exactly do you feel like do you feel like that is what is happening a lot in 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 your reality or it is like one of my friend came to me and he was like ki why are you reading jungle book because i was reading jungle book in during the recess right and he's like ki rudyard kipling was a racist why the fuck are you reading jungle book and and then i i believe ki when the art is created and when i you know when it's i think jungle book was meant for me when i read it yeah it's not like ki rudyard kipling wrote it for himself i feel like he wrote it for me and i don't care ki even in that dave chapelle special right he talks about it how oh, yeah. uh, the baby killed and all so i guess cancel culture is getting metamorphosized into a, a very sensitive thing which is a moral train i guess where you cannot decide what is happening where you cannot decide yeah. what is right and what is wrong so yeah. yeah i mean for me i feel like it's also unfortunately as opposed to being maybe a a a, a culture that is making us question i mean it is of course making us question ourselves uh but more than a culture it's almost sort of like a trend you know a lot of people oh, yeah. on social media get on that bandwagon because they mm. feel like that's how they want to be seen we are on the side of like the woke oh yeah the liberal the progressive uh way of interpreting the world and so a lot of people yeah a lot like even with this dave chapel i haven't seen the episode but i i um, 
what I have seen of Dave Chappelle, I love his humor, and I, yeah. you know, I don't think that he is racist or transphobic That's or what... any of this. But I think mm. he will make fun of everybody, not just trans oh, yeah. people. He's made fun exactly. of everything in his life. Um, but exactly like there's been there was a, a sort of a a meeting like a party that I was at where people were having this conversation and sort of it divided people up and then a lot of people sort of my age also who were saying well of course Dave Chappelle is so wrong in what uh, in putting out um, an episode like this in such a big channel and you know somebody at the party was just like have you watched the show yeah and you know this girl is like nope but I've read lots of things that were said about what <laughs> yeah, she said yeah, like, yeah 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 why don't you watch the show? Why don't you watch exactly. more of Dave Chappelle's like skits from before? He then, you know, make the same thing with I think what is happening with Joe Rogan now. I guess yeah, yeah, seems yeah. to be sort of like a. It's all taken out of context most of the time. Yeah, and like and the and other not half researched is like, as well. Yeah, not researched as well. Yeah, and other half that is that is actually getting you know like major attention is that people who were doing wrong are being punished and that is a good thing like homophobia and uh, and shit like that it's decreasing day by day and that's a good thing hmm. but what yeah. happens is that you'll have to find a, a like a like you said the pendulum has to find a proper balance where it can yeah. maintain both like you know humor a subjectivity and also like uh, a form of fear in people that of not saying uh, like outright offensive things yeah yeah and, and I mean, I think that. Yeah, yeah, go on. No, no, go on. No, I, I was going to say, and I think just the fact that there are young people like you guys who also feel already at such a sort of like young age that, you know, there needs to be more nuance built yeah. into the questions, the bigger questions that we are asking. Hmm. That to me, see, is an indicator that that's already automatically happening. It's yeah. just that the voices that dominate the internet right now, the loudest voices are the ones who maybe are the biggest proponents of like a uh, cancel culture, but it doesn't mean that most people agree with that kind of treatment um, to every, towards everybody. So. And it's bound to happen, you know, when generation, like the generation that will come after us, they will want some change that we weren't able to, you know, so like i wanted to ask you ki do you think ki your beliefs and ideas that you have right now will they stay true it to its core when times and generations change no and i'm very very uh, conscious about um trying to stay um trying to question my beliefs and trying to keep them as relevant as possible to the, you know, to time. So, and and I think most people who want to approach life um, with some intelligence think that way. Otherwise you just get rigid and then you end up Mm. becoming that old person who will be like, but actually, you know, your belief is 50 years outdated. Reality doesn't even exist like that anymore. So absolutely not. I I I uh, am very conscious about trying to kind of re-question my own beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, obviously, with time and with age, there are some differences, right? Like sometimes when you do hear some young people say certain things, you do sort of find yourself saying, okay, 
but i do have more experience in some the, some of these things so maybe i am right and you're not because i have had 12 more years of experience in a certain in a certain sort of whatever in certain regard profession personally whatever yeah. so that of course happens with age and it will happen to you as well when you get older you'll be like okay maybe i don't know a little bit more than like what is being said yeah. um and 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 obviously i think when you're younger you certainly tend to be more idealistic and more oh, hopeful yeah. even for your life and then as you get older and your the possibilities of where your life can go either get narrower or you kind of get comfortable with how life becomes um obviously you don't remain the same so these the, there are these kind of threads where i would say with age i certainly sort of feel sometimes like i'm too old like with oh, yeah. say gender pronouns you know i'm still sort of always like struggling with what is the right thing to say where but am i saying this shouldn't be the case no absolutely not i would i'd definitely be happy to upgrade my idea of gender and sexuality even when i'm 50 60 75 that's that's the way it should be mm, yeah so we like talked about a lot of you know uh, content creation and we we talked about how offense works and how things work now we're going to talk like a, a bit more personal and see uh, the the question that i asked um, like in previous interviews i've asked that what is your favorite book and movie but i won't ask because that that is a very offensive question for for, for one i and i know it because you cannot pick a favorite like straight up you cannot pick a favorite so like what is your go to comfort movie or book that you find yourself picking up again and again or is there such a thing in your life like what you are you reading currently yeah. Ah, yeah that too what am i reading currently i'm actually trying to finish because uh, in the middle i had a long break i'm trying to finish um the the book by arundhati roy why am i even forgetting the name the what is it फ्रेंच Uh, the book is called Vernon Subutex. Mm. Um, ah, there. Her, so she's a French uh, writer called Virginie Despont. Despont. I don't know how you say it, but like D E S P E N T E S. Despont probably. And she writes this uh, these novels called Vernon Subutex, and there are like two, three of them. Mm. You, I would, I would very much recommend that reading. it's about this um this guy this regular guy living in paris who kind of loses his job and then he's kind of downfall from not having a job not being able to make money and then getting stuck in a vicious cycle where how does he get out of not being able to make money um but it's not about like home, homelessness and poverty because this guy used to have a record store so it's really him going through his life with all his friends and all the past experiences he had with musicians and writers so it's sort of like um a really great insight into like the parisian 
um creative world but not of rich kids of really like sort of the people who you know chose to do this profession without having some kind of financial backup like in india a lot of people the first wave of people who became like artists were all people who kids who came from financially well off background you know mm-hmm. yeah um, like when i was growing up it was never a choice to be an artist dancer nothing it was like pehle aap apni degree karo beta then you can think about it mm-hmm. um of course now it's changing in india because these are all viable professions also you can actually be you know just a videographer and make money you yeah. can be a musician and you can make money um but in paris that culture is much older so you it's a really really great uh really great book in the way she's written it the characters she's kind of uh created and also an insight into sort of just french parisian culture mm-hmm. and are you and reading it in french or is it a translation no no it's a translation in english okay okay yeah and from that you know like how much well suited are you to the society that you belong to as in is there any moral or mental guilt because of your privilege when you see people from depressed or marginalized societies no there's no guilt i mean you can okay. one can't have guilt for what they couldn't control you can't <laughs> feel guilty for the life you were born in yeah yeah um one can be aware of their privilege one should be aware of their privilege and then use that awareness to maybe change their interaction with the world mm. uh and certainly for me um in the way that i would do my stories that plays a huge role i'm always aware of where i come from and how my reality is very different from somebody's reality who's never left a village in gujarat you know and i'm not certainly going to come in and be like this is how they think and this is how they speak i mean you would report that but you would certainly do it with certain sensitivity because you have to understand that their reality is very different from the opportunities i've had and the exposure i've had hmm. but i think that for um you know the kind of like indian middle and upper middle class of kids who grown up on television and subsequently the internet and have consumed yeah. a lot of western literature hmm. um your sense of identity and i don't know if you all feel the same way is uh remains confusing oh, because yeah. you know like i grew up in india but all my favorite musicians actors films my my vocabulary my sense of what did i want to do with my friends how i behave it didn't come from what i learned from indian sources of let's say culture pop culture entertainment right yeah yeah um so then you 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 it's a complicated uh question like where do you place yourself are you a world citizen are you a citizen now of the internet because that's yeah. where you grew up um but at the same time you're also indian but then there are many things that happen in india which you just don't identify with mm. you know that are part of your culture so i think that is a difficult question for many kind of whatever modern indian yeah 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 like the the global citizen part of yours and the uh, the indian citizen part of yours have a little conflict when you get around these things 
yeah even something like even with your family right like your sometimes oh, yeah. your parents yeah, yeah. or like your family will say something which you find so ridiculous but yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like it's like there is no uh, separation there it's literally like your father or like your cousin yeah, yeah, saying yeah. something which to you is so outrageous oh yeah um so then where do you place yourself you know like are you the alien are you the odd one out in your family or are they the ones who are like super backward and you are just moving with the times so i think it's a it's an interesting place to be an indian like or maybe oh, yeah. anybody from a developing country who has a who's a global sort of uh, consumer of culture and information yeah like in this uh, scenario i think like what happens is that you come to question what is normal hmm Yeah. not only globally in your family uh, in india and you come to think of it as nothing is nothing is normal yeah like just like we spoke about it like it's subjective hmm. very much their yeah. upbringing is different mine is different right and their ideas and beliefs are like are completely going to be different than mine because of upbringing and uh, their different thought of idea, like That but all fun things but you know also because of the cultural homogenization right now yeah. it's kind of easy for us to know ki who's the villain who's the bad guy here and who's the like <laughs> because the information that we have it was not mm-hmm. available to our parents right i guess yeah i mean i think if you mean sort of politically uh yes but you know i think personally this can mm-hmm. be more complicated so exactly. for instance um let's take something like sex right yeah. now in india for example if you are having premarital sex you're not telling your parents you're not even now you're not able to tell <laughs> yeah, your yeah. parents this. but they are the people who led, like who, like you said they are the ones who brought you up with a certain value system now that value system maybe doesn't accept premarital sex so you're not going to talk to your parents about it but your own values that you have found um through again the internet pop culture what you read your own uh kind of questioning of what is morality what 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 mm, like yeah. is it really bad for me to have sex i mean come on you know like it's different but even though there is a generation change you still i feel like in india for example as a woman and i'm sure even as like boys young boys even if you say okay you know what i have i'm dating somebody i'm an adult i'm making this decision i'm going to have sex with the, uh, like i mean obviously i'm going to have consensual sex with somebody there's still a sense of shame attached you yeah. can't fully be um it's not as normalized in india in many circles yet as it would be abroad where it's just like yeah yeah okay you tell your parents yes i'm sleeping with her. it's such a normal accepted thing so in that sense in india when i'm talking about that kind of like conflict of identity i don't just mean politically i mean like personally you know these sort of like small things become a source of real conflict and shame because yeah. on the one hand you know what you're doing is right and it's okay for you to not listen to your parents age old advice but at the same time just because of, like even divorce we can say we are a society that accepts it very well I think there's still a lot of shame involved with exactly. um divorce and I don't know if women I'm sure it's very difficult for women to come out of it and sort of restart their lives even though I'm 
you know like we're having those theoretical conversations where we're saying nahi nahi nah, of course it's normal of course it's totally okay so i think we have those other conflicts in india which are sort of more personal and harder mm. to um, make peace with because yeah. it's also very hard to like reject the things that you were told since you were a child even though mm. as you grow up you want to reject them there's so much kind of unlearning right that's like cheating with yourself moral cheating with yourself yeah yeah even though you can tell yourself intellectually i didn't do anything wrong yeah yeah right but, but then it's like a course schemas you know ringing on ki nahi tune galat kiya hai हिस्ट्री uh in in textbook will be validated after a point of time it's already happening no like with yeah, the yeah. it is it yeah, is yeah it am i do i think that it will become i mean honestly it really depends on how long this government stays in power very frankly because obviously yeah. if they are in power longer they will continue to change the syllabus which is a very basic education that anybody in this country would receive and the longer that you change history um for kids in school the the more dangerous it will be because that is the generation that you will um that is the generation that will turn into the adults running your country right mm-hmm. um so obviously that is very very dangerous to sort of misinterpret or reinterpret history or even try to uh hindutvaize hindutvaize it as they are trying to do that is very very dangerous um but at the moment i mean my hope is that hopefully this is not a long trend and we'll be able to sort of course correct with our syllabus but yeah i mean i It, it, it's a difficult place right because uh, you are still now imagine you are still sort of done with your school education and you are obviously both um young people who read a lot beyond your syllabus but yeah. imagine if it's just kids going to a public school वैसे उनके टेक्स्टबुक से नहीं पढ़े जा रहे हैं उनसे पर अगर उस टेक्स्टबुक में भी लाइक झूठ या मिसइंटरप्रिटेशन है रियलिटी की या या वन रिप्रेजेंटेशन है रियलिटी you're going to go through life thinking that that is what it was Yeah. So when you're an adult, you'll be like, no, what are you saying? This was this. This was this. Yeah. Huh, so that that's very very dangerous. I mean, if we education needs to be secular. I mean, already I think the education system in India has failed many mm. people because you know we had that demographic dividend, but we have so many young people who continue to be unemployed because they just don't have the right skills. Also, and of course there are no jobs. Um. so i think if education if 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 the government continues to meddle in education the way that it currently is that could be a very very dangerous thing but we always have the internet so <laughs> oh yeah 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 unless unless we will come china tomorrow then i don't know yeah, 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 but that, i think so that is a possibility you know i think that's very hard because in china you still have like a homogenous government because the culture is homogenous ek language hmm. hai 
एक बिलीव है ऑफ साइनोसेंट्रिसिज्म ऑफ लाइक योर फिलोसफी ऑफ लाइफ ऑफ दिस एंड इंडिया में हो ही नहीं सकता है ऑलरेडी स्टेट गवर्नमेंट्स आर लाइक फक बंगाल में देखो क्या हुआ तमिलनाडु में देखो क्या हो रहा है सो दे दे महाराष्ट्र में देयर इज एन एब्सोल्यूट रिजेक्शन सो आई मीन इन दैट सेंस इंडिया एंड आई कुड बी रॉन्ग बट आई डोंट फियर दैट इंडिया विल बिकम सम काइंड ऑफ होमोजेनस डिक्टेटरशिप बिकॉज़ आई थिंक दे आर टू मल्टीकल्चरल या अलाउ दैट या and like what most of what happens is that i'm just uh, you know uh, interpreting what what you're saying and i'm just telling it from my own context like most of what happens is that um in books really villainizing um unconscious villainizing of things such as you know uh, the mogul rulers and like, like the communists and all of that is going on but it's really not that you know a white and black thing but still it is very radicalized and very polarized in the education system right now. so it's it's scary right now the situation but you know you um you said something very interesting and now when you like what you said about communism na i was thinking this so it's not just in india yeah. like this education hmm. um or the power of education to create paranoia america is a good yeah, yeah, example yeah. great deal yeah, of yeah. how they like that one generation or two generations of people are so paranoid about what communism is mm, because if yeah. you live through the cold war your entire education system everything that you uh, consumed basically the american government or the american like policies of the government essentially made you so fearful of communism made you so fearful of anything related to socialism or anything that was not capitalistic in nature yeah. that now you're seeing that in america you are seeing a society that is so deeply divided because people they are they don't even and i was reporting in america in 2016 and 2018 and it's so clear you know that older generation of people you you can't even have a conversation with them about this oh yeah you can't even say why don't you look at how for profit agencies have ruined this country Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. What do you all want us to become? Russia, U.S. society is that it's it's that it is a clear example of how sort of for a generation you educated people to become paranoid of a certain concept of economics, polity, society, and it has clearly resulted now in this deep chasm in your society and their understanding of reality. You know, so yeah, the U.S. is a is a good example of what can happen. Mm. I mean, in India, unfortunately, it's divided along. religious lines and even more unfortunately that enemy or the other is actually yeah, yeah. our own people exactly so it is more dangerous yeah also like What? avoiding information as well um in our textbooks uh, like we read about indira in our textbook all the time we didn't read about a single you know the thing where she was a socialist leader she wasn't actually like you know capitalist or something like that and we didn't read anything about that avoiding um like things that are actually important for us to learn yeah like um, like this that's not an idea that is promoted in school textbooks i'm surprised you i mean i don't know about indira gandhi but like when i was in school for sure you know like uh, with the when you learned about nehru or when you learned about like how mm, yeah. the constitution was being made it was quite clear that he had socialist leanings yeah. but that he also wanted like um i mean fair capitalism so mm. I mean, I feel like, tab at least school me we were given some kind of 
picture of both sides but, hmm, uh, but here though course, we have one polar opposite and the other polar opposite we don't have the middle ground and i mean do you think especially in gujarat because now you have the bjp for like 20 years oh, yeah. that that education is particularly biased in textbooks i cannot yeah. say about that because kunal was in gujarat board i i have been in uh, delhi board since you know yeah it is it is and and now i am in cbse right but we still are being forced to write about pariksha pe charcha and to write about our prime minister billard prime minister ki acha acha likho we are being forced ki bahut acha likho and what do you, what has he done what do you expect and always write ki this you do you expect this and there is no freedom of speech basically when they tell uh-huh. us ki do this so i'm curious how do you guys decide to kind of get together and make this podcast It was an actual dream, by the way. As in, it no. was an actual dream, and yeah, I called yeah. him. Oh, utha! When he just called me. Oh, an actual dream. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So utha, I was like, "We had a podcast," and he's like, "So let's do this." Yeah, I, I had like basic editing skills, so I thought, "Well, let's do this." It's okay. Yeah. No, I'm so glad because I'm always. Um, I mean, I love. Obviously, by virtue of my job, I love meeting new people <laughs> and talking yeah, to yeah. them. But yeah. like. I think when young people are trying to sort of get conversations going, whether yeah. whether that you know whatever their intention is, just the fact that you would have a podcast where you would even be willing to like have people and have people from different spheres of life come and speak means that already you're trying to create a platform where one can share Expects, but also yeah. learn. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm also learning so much from like just speaking to you guys. Um, yeah, and yeah. what how you think and how you interpret the world. So, and technology yeah. makes all of this so much easier now. You know. Oh yeah, Pehle definitely. Before, I could not do it. You are bound to the you know, um, your own state. Uh, even even if you are the biggest, you are still the biggest in your own state, not in the not in the entire world. So yeah. Yeah. but still if it's 2007 i would not even dream of talking to her right oh yeah, yeah. i'd not even think yeah. about it you know i yeah it's just not place to that but and this episode has turned out to be very great i'm i'm so okay. grateful that you came and we talked right but yeah, i yeah. think I we should end this podcast here right i i hope you like this episode uh, i was kunal rajput joined by surbi and yash yeah thank you thank you very much i had a Really, really great time actually chatting with the both of you, and um, I wish you both well. Thank you. I'm yeah, sure it's yeah. gonna go. Gonna go. I'm sure it's gonna go great for the both of you. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. In whatever you do. Thank you so much, guys. Oh, Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.